1: Do you have an unexpected story to tell or know someone who does? We'd love to have you on the pod. Please apply at please don't tell anyone pod at gmail.com. Or follow our application link in bio of our Instagram, Please Don't Tell Anyone pod or TikTok account. So then you guys get out of the hot
2: tub. Yep, go to bed. And a couple hours later, he turns up in my room. (laughs) No
1: way. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go and blind all my interviews so that I can hear the story firsthand just like you. I said, please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Please. please don't, don't tell, tell, anyone. tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell
0: anyone.
2: When I was 16, I went to go live with the family a babysat for. Mine was very dysfunctional. The husband slash dad spent three quarters of the year away for work. The mom needed a friend-help therapy. I bonded with everybody, and I fit in. She ended up having an affair, and they separated. The husband, dad, and I started having sex. This went on for over two years. I ended up moving away and eventually contact with them all seized. I basically traded one dysfunctional family for another. Working this out now in my late 30s, but I would love to tell everyone what happened. It wasn't okay.
1: That must be weird to read back. Oh, I just so started having the guest do that because <laughs> usually I was reading it. We just talked before we started this about whether you're going to be anonymous or not. And I think it's kind of important for everyone to hear why you are choosing not to be anonymous.
2: I feel like it's the brave decision not to be. Um, but in the time between submitting this and making the decision, I saw something um, and it kind of has solidified my reason as to why I feel like I shouldn't be. And I'll just. Can I read it? Yeah, please. Uh, so it says, "You own everything that happened to you. Tell your stories. If people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better." And I saw that earlier today, and I just thought that that helped me make my decision that, whilst it's easier to hide behind the fuzzy screen, I'm I'm I am i i do not want this to be a secret anymore, and that means owning t- it. Okay. So I was 15, and I moved to a suburb of Seattle with my dad to live with my dad, and my parents divorced when I was 10, and um, I would very much qualify both of my parents in the column of people that should not have had children, and one, let alone six. So I have six brothers and sisters, and we all got separated and went to various places, and when I was 15, it was time to go and live with my dad, and he was ready to be a good parent. And he had just moved to Seattle. And so I went to live with him and he met this lady because her house was for sale and she was selling her house. And he was a very charming, flirty guy. And, um, he volunteered my babysitting services and she had two kids and I, that was it. And I didn't know that they're like, I just didn't think that that I thought the dad was at work and I was just babysitting. And I didn't really realize that he actually worked away um, for quite a substantial part of the year. He worked on the fishing boats up in Alaska. And I ended up babysitting for her, and it became really regular. And they were moving into a bigger house, and he ended up, the dad, ended up breaking his back and having to come home early from the season. So he was home. And so, you know, the whole family was there, and I still ended up. I was babysitting a lot and then it was summer holidays for me and I was spending almost all of my time with this family.
1: (laughs) Did you like them? Like when you started working for them? Yes, I
2: did. I liked them a lot. And that was the thing is that um, I I meshed really well into this family. And I think probably a really good word for that, the situation would be enmeshment. And I just really became a part of that family. And it was so different from mine.
1: Are you willing to tell us a little bit about yours just to better understand?
2: Yeah. Um, so my parents got together when they were really young teenagers, um, grow- grew up in a very strong Mormon family. And you get Mormon, married wow. and you have kids really young because no, no one talks about the fact that sex equals babies. So, <laughs> um my mom and dad were just two really misguided individuals and they were kids that had kids and when I was 10 they got divorced and my mom just went she lost her marbles a little bit she went crazy and wanted to reclaim like the youth that she never had and didn't really want to be a mom and so this, there were six of us. And so the oldest three went to go and live with my dad and a judge ordered this. And then the youngest three went to go live with my mom. And I think about that scenario now and I just think, how did that happen? <laughs> Why yeah, like... I don't understand that. So we were separated and my dad proved to be pretty unfit in the parenting department. And so the, the three of us all got, you know, shipped off to various different relatives to live. And then he would like change his mind and then want us back. And so we just yo-yoed all over the place. And I changed schools many times and you know, my mom got married multiple times and so we had many different stepdads and did you have a
1: relationship with your mom once you moved in with your dad?
2: My relationship with my mom was really troubled, and a lot of that had to do with my dad and his manipulation of that situation. And once I was 18 and in my twenties, I was able to establish a relationship with her that was between us and, and we and I was grateful for that but she was never she was never really a mother. So mm-hmm. to any of her kids and and she she acknowledged that a lot right in the years before she passed away 6 years ago and and she passed away with a lot of regret and part of that was you know her real failed job as a mother. So
1: you were growing up with your dad mm-hmm. who it's not like he was super dad by
2: any means. Definitely point. not not at all. I mean I would say that my dad is a really good example of what happens in a family system when mental illness goes unaddressed? It gets worse. And that's exactly what's happened. And he's still alive. He, by the miracle of whatever, but definitely high on the narcissism scale high on the emotional immaturity scale has always lived by the seat of his pants. Not a worry in the world has always somehow managed to find these women to take care of him. And in his head, if he calls us and tells us happy birthday, he's the dad of the year. So, but he, Mm -hmm. he lives in his, his own world and none of his adult kids have, like we're all adults now. Uh, we, we all just really don't really have, I mean, I haven't really spoken to him since I was 18. So, wow. Yeah. And I saw him very briefly, um, last year, my sister got married, but six years ago, right before my mom died, my youngest brother died of a heroin overdose and, so I had to be around him in that setting. But his his realm of reality is extremely distorted. And we're all able to, like me and, and my siblings are all able to kind of agree that the childhood he thinks that we had and the childhood we actually had are are not the same. So well it's,
1: I think it's also important to note you don't see this in your submission, you put this in a different category, but you're not in Seattle, you're in Australia. So it's yes. seven AM here, it's nine PM right. Nine thirty. <laughs> yeah. And part yeah. of you added in your blurb was like, I grew up in Seattle, but essentially had to escape and get as far away as possible to heal everything yes and it's this healing phase that you're in right now
2: and this healing phase is is been going on for a good few years but the real reason I left Seattle was was because of the situation with this other family yes yes
1: we will open the door to that um so your your dad at 15 essentially pimps you out to babysit yes this family
2: (laughs) yes did you say they had two kids two kids boy really cute little kids they
1: were five and two, five and three, but really young. What was your first impression of the
2: parents? Like, were you like, oh, this
1: is such a great family, or?
2: So the first time I met the mom, um, and I don't know if, is it easier to reference them by name or should I just say the mom, or, I mean. You say whatever you're comfortable saying. So her name was Jenny, Okay. and the first time that I met her was when my dad took me to go and look at this house, and he's like, oh, we're gonna go and look at this house, it's for sale, and um, we went and looked and she was there and the kids were there and and he, this is, you know, part of his plan to pit me out as a babysitter as well. And so I was a teenager. I was having lunch with my girlfriends and he comes and yanks me out of that to come and, you know, fulfill his, his day. And I was in a mood about it. And I remember that I didn't care about this house. And Mm -hmm. I remember meeting her and not really caring to, you know, try and, win graces it wasn't on my priorities but he somehow managed to turn that around and she and I both agreed after that that you know we both thought each other were were a bit snobby or had a bit of an attitude so mm-hmm. um so my initial impression of her was not I didn't even you know I wasn't thinking I need to like babysit for this lady and have this family save me it was just you know my dad yanked me out of hanging out with my friends and I was really irritated so but then after that, I managed to. I did go and babysit for her because he offered me to go and do it for free. <laughs> oh, very kind of him. Yes. Um, Why did
1: he want you to babysit for free?
2: Who wins in that scenario? Oh, at besides the, trial, the family, it's like a you know giver. Oh, them. okay, then, okay. Yeah. So then that turned into me going there every Thursday night when she would go to the neighbor's house to watch Survivor, and then that turned into a little bit more. And then it really escalated when I f- w- was summer break from from high school and their dad was home after he broke his back and i was there all the time
1: what was your impression of the dad initially
2: he so initially he you know he he wasn't from america so he had quite like a funny accent his name is Jens and um i you know he was just this big like muscly like very you know he's a very attractive man uh, kind of mysterious like And I, I didn't really understand what it was that he did for work. I didn't fully grasp, um, like, I just was like, wow, this is, you know, this is an interesting family. So (laughs) I didn't, yeah, not, I was just, I was 16 at this time, but started spending a lot more time with them. And it was, it was just, it was, I look back on it now and it was weird, but then it was being in a house that was brand new. It was being in a house that had food and the lights and, Warm water and a phone that worked. And, you know, it was all of these things that being at my dad's house did not offer. So it eventually went from babysitting to just hanging out there.
1: And I'm sure the kids loved you and I'm sure you got really close mm, with them. Definitely. And you just kind of became this fifth
2: member. Yeah. Um, and based on your submission, it sounded like the mom wanted a friend. She and I had some similarities in our backgrounds, and that, you know, both of our, you know, grew up, up with part of the Mormon religion being. Involved in our histories and both having the same kind of dysfunctional childhoods and upbringings. And so we had some things in common in that area. And, you know, she was somebody like as a teenager, she was like this cool, really pretty lady to talk to. And she would also like give like dating advice or, you mm-hmm. know, so it was like, you know, then it was like this very cool person who who was just fun.
1: So how do we get to this next chapter?
2: So my dad met the person that he's now married to, and um, he's going to be moving from where we were living in Kirkland to a suburb like 20 miles away. And so that meant another school change. And I just got settled and I just wanted to stay. And I don't remember, I can't recall a specific moment where I asked to stay with them or if they asked me if I wanted to stay with them but the next thing I know is my dad was at their house and they're sitting down having a conversation about me staying so everyone agrees yep I'm gonna stay there and I'm gonna go to high school I'm gonna be able to stay in my school and my dad's gonna pay them 300 a month to let me are you
1: gonna get paid for babysitting anymore
2: no (laughs) but
1: will you still babysit
2: yes (laughs) okay so that's kind of like how that happened. And then the next day, the dad, Jens, is coming, driving over to our apartment and picking me up and all of my stuff. And then I'm living in their house. And uh, that it was very quick and it was very much just like that. And the awkwardness of it was I knew that my dad was never going to pay them. And he never did. Mm. and I knew and I knew that I was gonna have to make up that slack not that I was ever gonna hand them over 300 bucks but that I was gonna have to make it up in the babysitting department and you know just doing whatever I could around that house to make sure that I wasn't a burden that I contributed and made it like more valuable for them to have me there than not to
1: how did that work though every month I mean did Mm. did they say hey your dad
2: hasn't paid us yet For a couple of months it was like You know, he hasn't paid. And I was like, okay, I'll talk to him. And I did. And he was like, because I had worked, I was working at Starbucks. I worked part time since I was, you know, almost 16 until I graduated from high school. And he was like, well, you're making the money. So it's really your responsibility to do it. And I remember just thinking, I cannot wait to be 18 and not ever have to talk to you again. So I was very much Uh stuck in this, like, living with him is not ideal. This situation, is better than that, but also comes with it's not idealness. And I remember the first few weeks that I was there really having this feeling of sadness. Like, like I knew I wasn't in my home and I had to adjust to the way that things were in this home. And then, you know, that goes away and you get used to it and you find your rhythm. Yeah, because
1: you were essentially like adopted, but like with a caveat of working yeah. and and the, not fully being able. And then there's this whole other twist that we're going to get yeah. to, which really turns all of yeah. everything you're saying right now on its so head.
2: My start, high, so it's junior year, high school. And we're, you know, that's what is that? October, November, December. Gearing up for like the fun time of year. And, you know, his family comes from overseas to spend Thanksgiving. And he's turning 40 in Christmas with us. And so the, those three months was really fun. It was like really being involved in this family unit that I longed for. Hadn't had it for a very long time. All I wanted was that. And it was great. So in my head, it was starting to get like a little bit warped. And like, this was like, it was the the enmeshment was heavy. So mm-hmm. holidays happen. Everything goes back to normal. And he's going back to work in January. So he goes back to work. And then it's coming up to spring break of that year. And she's going to go to Europe and visit her friend that lives there. And she goes for three weeks. And so I'm there with the dad and the kids. And we're like having fun. And it's like the the whole vibe of the house changes because, you know, she was a little bit uptight, a little bit anxious, mm-hmm. a little bit like couldn't really sit still for very long. And, you know, everything had to be the way that she wanted it to be. And I understand that now because, you know, I'm I'm the age that she was then and that's how I like it in my house. So <laughs> that time that she's away, it's spring break. And Jens says to me and my best friend, her name is Jen, he's going to make us a really nice dinner and we're going to have some drinks because he wants us to be able to, like, know what it's like to drink alcohol in a safe environment without us having to feel like we have to lie about it or, you know, be somewhere and make stupid decisions. And so like, get to know what that's like. And so you can feel like you can always be honest about it. And in theory, I can understand that, but then yeah.
1: I, yeah. Cool. Given the situation <laughs> like, of everything. Yeah. Well, you
2: know, we're, we're like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's do it. So I'm yeah. sure. Wait, you were 16 just was, th- at this point. Now I'm, now I'm 17. So this is okay, spring 17. break. I'm just, it's April, just turning 17. And we have this really fun time. And You know, she's gone for three weeks, and it was great. And I remember the feeling of dread when she was coming back, but not that, like, oh, I didn't, like, not like her, but it definitely changed the mood of the house. Question about that period that she's gone, and
1: again, you don't have to answer this.
2: Looking back,
1: was there any, like, grooming vibes or, I mean, besides the drinking, which I do see as kind of that, um, do you see any – were there red flags or just no?
2: When I I look back, I – can tell that there were moments in time when he and I were along with the kids and mm-hmm. there were definitely these moments of, this is a bit weird. Like, yeah. And that's, the yeah. Kid. And, but also got along, like he was a nice guy and like, you know, very different than any of the men that I had in my life before, extremely different to my dad. <laughs> like, so, uh-huh. I wasn't thinking about anything like that and never in my wildest dreams did I think that anything would happen. But, um, so that's April. She comes home and she tells him she's had an affair. She's been having an affair. She wants a separation. She wants to get a divorce. Oh my God. Were you home when that conversation went? I wasn't home at then I was, I was working, but then she came into my work to tell me that she told him that she wants a divorce and that she's, Seeing this guy that she just went to Europe with, and they're together. And did you have any clue that she was having an affair? I knew that she would come into the so in the room that I was staying, like I was in their guest room, but it was my room slash guest room, and it was also her office. She would come in in the middle of the night and be on the computer the whole like two or three hours in the night. And oh my god, I just was like, whatevs, like she can't sleep, like none of my business, like trying so hard just to like not be in the room so but so then it all kind of made sense then but then but the feeling I had at that point was I just got settled here and now this family that I just made into my family and I've referred to them as my family is now not going to be a family anymore so it was like what the heck so that was a weird time um but he went back to work, and you know everyone could t- like just life life went on as normal because he was away, and did she move out? no, she stayed in the house, we all stayed in the house because he then he let, he leaves again, so he's gone mm. so and then he comes back for the october november December period again, which is like the longest stretch of the year where he's home, mm-hmm. and then she goes to Europe to go and be with this guy for the longest stretch of time so but backwards, in between her coming home and saying. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to get a divorce. We're separating. She goes back two more times and the husband, the dad doesn't know about this, but I do because I'm with the kids (laughs) and I'm in high school and taking care of these kids. So, um, she goes back to Europe while he's away and he doesn't know. And, and you're left with the kids and there's another babysitter involved as well too. So someone who is of legal age to be in a Mm -hmm. house And she was kind of like the nanny when I wasn't available. So she comes to stay and and she was really great. And she and I got along really well. And, you know, we, we would talk a lot about what was happening and, you know, our mutual frustrations with, you know, how things are being handled and the way that, you know, these kids just kind of get like passed from one babysitter to the next. And it was a really sad situation.
1: Were were the kids
2: aware? At that point, no, they did not know what was going on. Um, and it was easy to keep things a secret from them because their dad was never home. So it wasn't mm-hmm. weird. Um, so then back to the longer stretch, he gets home for the October, November, December period, and she leaves. Mm-hmm. And so he's home and, you know, we're in the house and it's fine. And I'm going to school and the kids are going to school and everything is fine. And he had to go on a business trip for a little bit. And so the other babysitter came to help and, we go to the airport, all of us pile in the car. So it's babysitter, myself and the two kids and we get in the car and we go to pick him up. And I I remember this so clearly. And I don't know why this stands out in my head, but I'm sitting in the passenger front passenger seat and he sits behind me. And my hand is kind of like on like the headrest, like just like holding onto it. I don't know why. And he grabs my hand and he squeezes it. And nothing was like, it was just like this weird moment of like, Mm is this like a caring gesture? Is this, you know, but it was definitely one of those moments to me that really stood out. He comes home and then we're going into Thanksgiving. So it's going to be Thanksgiving. And we decide that we're going to have, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving and we're going to have this really nice Thanksgiving at home. And, you know, Jenny's not there and she doesn't need to be there. She's off doing whatever it is that she wants to do. And so we even invite the babysitter and her husband and they bring her parents and we just have this big Thanksgiving in this house and it's this beautiful house. And, it was just this moment of like, is this what it's like to like be in, in like a family that like sits down and has Thanksgiving dinner together and doesn't scream at each other and like, but also are you
1: starting to play this yes. like mother yeah. role? And starting
2: to kind of play this yeah. like person role. So, mm-hmm. and that's definitely happening. And then, you know, The things that happen is, you know, when other people are not around, then I'm allowed to start having wine and I'm allowed to start drinking alcohol. And so we have Thanksgiving and it's really nice. It's just this beautiful, beautiful day. The next day, my friend comes over with her boyfriend and we get Thai food and then we're all there and we get in the hot tub and um, there's just this weird, awkward moment and, you know, it's, there was just something, I can't say that it was like noticeably weird, but it just felt weird to me and me and my friend talked about the dad was yeah, on a hot tub? and <laughs> okay so and with my best friend and her boyfriend who was just a couple years older than her but you know still in our age box and mm-hmm. but everybody in my life thought that Jens was like the cool dude he was like the cool guy and you know he's from Europe and you know he was very cool and you know let's he would let us drink and that was awesome so mm-hmm. they leave and We went and got back in the hot tub and it was noticeably like very awkward. And we both kind of agreed that there was something there, but that there was nothing that we could do about it. So that was the first night that we verbalized that.
1: Was that something that you had been feeling?
2: Yes, I definitely, definitely had a shift in how I felt about him.
1: Like you started to have a crush on him?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you remember who initiated that conversation or like how those words started to flow? Because that's a big verbal step in this situation. No, that's okay.
2: No, I don't. But that, that conversation was had and we both both agreed that there was something there and we weren't going to do anything about it.
1: Okay, so then you guys get out of the hot tub.
2: Yep. Go to bed, and a couple hours later, he turns up in my room. No way. (laughs) Yes. A couple hours later? A couple hours later. Were you asleep? No, I wasn't. I was just laying there being like, this is weird. I don't know what's happening in my life. Like, like really like the thoughts and like, you know, and to put this into perspective, 17, I've never had a boyfriend. I've That's never what I was about to ask. Nothing. Like, because you had never had sex, ne- never had sex, never had. Any. So
1: this was the man that you lost your virginity to? Yes. Wow.
2: Yeah. So, wow. It was wild. So a couple hours later, he turns up in the room and we don't have sex that night, but there are other things that happened and it was the beginning of the sexual relationship mm-hmm. The next day it was awkward we kind of like avoided each other a little bit. I, I went to school <laughs> um, uh, and I like just remember not being able to concentrate, not really you know knowing what the heck is going on and went home and we said, You know, he came up behind me. I was standing at the fridge and he came up behind me and put his hands on my shoulder. And he said, I think that we both know that what happened last night was really inappropriate and we can't let it happen again. And I said, I agree. And then I said, okay, let's just not talk about it. And that'll be it. And that was it. So we didn't talk about it. And that was maybe, I think that was was just after Thanksgiving.
1: When you do something with anybody for the first time, it's all then you do is think about it. When you're 17 and you just had your first kiss or your first yeah. whatever, it's spiraling in your head when you're sitting mm-hmm. at home. So you've just had that experience. Forget mm-hmm. the complexity of the whole situation. Yes. And you're sat at home, which is this man's house. Yes. <laughs> and you're silencing, you know, you're not talking about mm. it either. I mean, I just can't yeah. imagine.
2: No. Um, and I look back at it now. I'm 38 now, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like truly. Um, But I also was like, you know, when you're that age, all of your behavior is performative. So I was just like, yep, I'm going to just, we're going to just play along and fake it till you make it. And, you know, I live here, (laughs) it was very strange. Also paired with some guilt because Jenny is gone, and I also care about her. Like yeah. as as much as she was annoying and there were things that were frustrating about her, Keg cared about her. So yeah, it was conflicting. And it, and there was those feelings too. So we agreed that we weren't going to do this anymore or act on this weird feeling again. And maybe four days later, um, he went to a party. So this is a Friday night now in the first weekend of December and uh, this was like a party that like friends of his went to too, and so they they dropped their kids off, and so I'm like babysitting at the at the kids club, and <laughs> I've got all these kids in the house, and and um, they're gonna spend the night, and he gets home at two o'clock in the morning, and I don't know why, but I was like I'm just gonna gonna go and be somewhere else, and I knew that he'd be drunk because of the time, and also. That's that's just how it was, and I knew that that's what to expect. I went and had a shower, and when I opened the door from the shower, he was standing there. So was he naked? Pretty much. <laughs> and you know, at the time, I think this is what I want. And yeah. So there we go, right there on the hallway floor of this big, beautiful house is when I have sex for the first time with a 42-year-old man who's drunk.
1: (laughs) I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm so
2: sorry. I'm sorry that it's taken me 20 years to even be able to talk about it, so. No, I don't, I mean, I'm just so sorry. Yeah, so, you know... I knew this was to be kept a secret, and, but I told my best friend. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I, she knew all along, and I would confide in her, and I honestly think if I didn't have her to confide in, I have no idea how I would have made it out of that situation. It was so complex, and even managing the complexity of it, I don't know how I did it as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old girl. And so what happens now and just, you know, she comes, Jenny comes home. Wait, before we get to that, night. I just yes. want
1: to go back to that night for a second. Yes. When it ends, mm-hmm. is there any like warmth or
2: like, how do you remember your first time after Because this is well, your boyfriend. It, no, it's not. But it was not. I mean, this was the thing is like, I'd heard all these stories from my girlfriends of like their experiences And this was nothing like any of those stories I heard about. And it was, you know, I, I can't even say that it was bad. It wasn't, it was, it was not like what I've heard from my other friends. And it afterwards, you know, it was, you know, this was a man that was obviously very starved for this kind of connection and some type of emotional connection. And, you know, it was a very intimate experience and it wasn't just like a wham bam thank you ma'am thing. It it was it was different than that. And it wasn't like, Oh, I'm finished and I'm just gonna go away. Like it was not like that at all. Okay. So yeah. like the
1: next day it wasn't
2: awkward between it you was guys? Very awkward. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and um and, but then that awkwardness just went away and then it turned into something exciting and then it turned into, you
1: know. So it know, started being the
2: norm. Like you yeah. guys then started having yeah. sex and being on regular internet. basis, all of the time, any chance that we got.
1: Did you start sleeping in his bed?
2: No, that never happened. Okay. Um, because this was still the house that he shared with his wife. So, <laughs> yeah. It was, so there was no sleeping um, in, any, in any bed together and uh yeah so so that was we probably had like 10 days before she got home and um then she got home and then it was just like the feeling I ha- I had the worst anxiety of my life and obviously so and I was you know I had just like this roller coaster of feelings but it was like you're gonna just get through this you're gonna like flip a switch and go back to how things were and I went to my mom's for Christmas which was nice to get away I came back and she was leaving again. So we kind of just missed each other and she was gone for another two weeks. And so it was back to us doing this again. So, and it was kind of like this, like really exhilarating, really fun experience for me as this young girl. And, you know, here's this man who I clearly have these feelings for. He clearly has them for me. And we care about each other, and we're having this great time, but it was also sad because I was like I have no idea what any of this means mm-hmm. and i that was not something we talked about, so it was did did you talk about anything before
1: she'd get home of like this is now how we're gonna act or there or was there
2: just no conversation? It was like it a was light
1: switch on and off no conversation
2: and okay and it was just, you know, I knew that that was the way that it was, and that was it. There was no choice. There was nothing that could be different, so. Do you think she had any idea? Then, no. And, you know, what? she might not have any idea now. Wow. wow. <laughs> like, but I I don't know how. I mean, I would just not ever make that situation be something that could be possible. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, I just, I don't know. I don't think she had any, she was very in her, in, in what was happening in her life and in this relationship. And, you know, I know she had feelings of struggle with being a mother and kind of, you know, the frustrations that came with that. And sometimes I felt that she was very limited by that. Mm-hmm. And um and it definitely limited her in her new relationship because she couldn't just take her kids and move to Europe.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: And now we're going into, you know, this is my senior year of high school and they're fully in the throes of getting a divorce. And I'm, you know, got my job and got high school, but she's, she's a mess and she's all over the place. And one thing that I did do is I kept a, like a little day planner. It was like my high school day planner. And I knew that this living situation was very much transactional in that nothing is for free. Mm -hmm. And I would keep track of how many hours I would spend with those kids because I never wanted her to come back and be like, Oh, I've done all of these things for you. Mm -hmm. And smart. Yeah. So I would, I would keep track of how long I was spending with these kids. And there was some weeks that I was getting like up to 40 hours with these kids and still going to school. And I don't know how I graduated from high school because there was really no adult in my life that cared at all about that side of my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember, so I turned 18, this is two months before high school graduation, he comes home, we have an opportunity to to connect again, and I remember the joke that we made was, well, at least now I'm 18, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, that so. is kind of the, not the elephant in the room, I mean, that is mm. the word not being said of that this was statutory rape. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. know that at the time or how in your healing have you processed that? Because I'm sure it was very complex and that you did have feelings for this man at 17, but.
2: You know. Oh, I, I loved him. I, yeah. And it was like the most heartbreaking feeling I'd ever had at the same time because yeah. I cared so much for him and I felt so sorry for him and. I would have like wanted to have some world where I could envision that you know we would be together and that would be it but I also in my head knew that that was never going to be. So for the longest time I held on to this loyalty that, that I had for him and this like really deep promise that I made to myself that I was never going to tell anybody about this because I would never like and the way I always saw it was it would be me like throwing him under the bus. And it's taken a lot of years and a lot of not having contact with him because I remained in contact with him long after I wasn't in contact with the mom anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was only in the last few years when really like, you know, the stuff with my own family was happening and, you know, you're forced to kind of have to sit and deal with some things. And I read this book by Nadine Burke called The Deepest Well. And in it is a is a test that she gives to people get your ACE score which is your adverse childhood experiences and there's 10 questions and one of them was have you ever had been fondled or been forced to fondle someone who is at least five years older than you and this is when you're under the age of 18 or had sexual intercourse with somebody who was at least five years older than you while you were under the age of 18 and being able to answer yes to both of those questions I had never put this situation in the category of this wasn't okay until I read that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what kind of like opened the door to start thinking a little bit more about this situation and really like reflect on it and evaluate it and go back and be like, wait a minute. No. (laughs) So I want to talk more
1: about your healing and mm. um, your acknowledgement and reflection of it in a second, but I think it makes sense linearly for mm-hmm. you to finish the story. Um, yeah. So at this point, she moves out. So
2: I graduate from high school. They're getting a mm-hmm. divorce. It's getting nasty. We are going to, me and him and the kids are going to go on a trip to Norway to visit his family. Mm-hmm. As soon as I'm done with high school, like as soon as like summer break is on, the kids aren't in school. I'm not in school. And everything is kind of hinging on them coming to some sort of agreement. They finally get to this agreement, like in the 11th hour. It was a really heated environment to be in. And it was really hard for me to be there as well because he's, he's not in the house now. He's staying at a friend's house. I'm in the house with her and the kids. And I'm seeing all of the stuff that she's going through but I'm also knowing about it from his side mm-hmm. as well. And obviously like I'm like on his, on, like, on his side, because I'm <laughs> into this guy and like, we have our own little secret relationship going on, but I'm living in this house with her still. And I have my relationship with her. So that was very strange. And I was, that was like a whole different situation of, of weird complexity. And we end up going on this trip and we're away for three weeks. And it was just like, it was like a fairy tale land. It was, it was like living in a dream world. And we had this amazing time and we're with his family and we're in this beautiful place in the world. And really it was like make-believe. And his family obviously didn't like, they think I'm coming as like part of the family slash helping with the kids. And then every chance that he and I get to have some sort of physical connection, we take it. And Mm -hmm. so we're on this holiday and, and it was just, it was great and you but know, you're coming... also not
1: his girlfriend so it's not, not like girlfriend. he's like holding your hand and walking no. around and there's this emotional I mean, part of me and I think we'll talk about this in your reflection yeah. but like I'm so angry at this idea that you were like robbed of like a teenage romance of mm. you know being having going to the movies holding hands all of those things or not forget teenage but like early 20s you know
2: oh yeah and you know <laughs> that's for a while I used the counter argument as to why this was okay. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, well, at least, you know, I'm sleeping with a guy that has sheets on his bed and we're like, he can take me out for dinner and, you know, he drives a fancy car, but, you know, but now I can reflect on it and definitely missed out. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we get back from this trip and the whole way home, just like dreading it because they're selling this house and everyone's moving out and I'm now out of high school. So I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. Um, and it comes up that he says, okay, well, I'm going to be away. Why don't you just move into my house? So, because he's away so much.
1: As in move into his house and raise his children while he's gone?
2: No, because they're still with their mom, but. Okay. They're still with their mom. You know, God. and I'm, I'm about to go to college. And so, you know, he says, why don't you just stay at my house? Cause I'm not there. And that makes sense. And I was like, that's great. Well, honestly, I didn't know what I was going to do otherwise. So (laughs) um, because my parents weren't really an option. And yeah, but yeah, that and that was that means it was like, heck, yeah, I'll live in your house. I don't have to pay rent. It's going to be great. It's a nice house. Um, You'll be get to be with the man that you were loving at the time when he's home. Exactly. And that's exactly what ended up happening. And but then on the on the other side, you know, I'm still you know, Jenny is still in my life and these kids are still in my life. And then so she's like, Oh well that would be great because then the kids can still come to their dad's house and so it won't be weird for them. And and that's what ended up happening is that I would be in this house even when he was away working and the kids would come over too. So <laughs> it was just it worked how old out were well they at this everybody. point everybody. Um let's see, so I just graduated, I was eighteen like 8 and 7, 8 and 6. Okay. Yeah, so, so they weren't catching on to anything though. No. No. Um so he like and that's that's it. I stay living with him in his house for a year and he comes home and that's and then we're in this like fake land again, but you know, because now it's his house, we are sleeping in the same bed and that that's happening and we're going out for dinner and, and we're making dinner at home and, you know, and playing house. Yeah, we are. We were playing house. And even he said that too. He's like, you know, it, it kind of, it is like its own little relationship and, but it's still a secret. And, (laughs) and there were, there were periods of my life where, you know, there would be other people that I would meet and I would be interested in them, but I would not ever allow myself to explore that because I was still very much like taking the breadcrumbs from this man. But when he's away, I'm this college student who has this really nice house and I'm the one that, you know, has the fun parties and, you know, it was, there was a financial element to this. There was financial support element to this. Stability. Yeah. Stability. Uh, again, it was a house where the bills were paid. Um, all of these things that I did not grow up with, I now had. And, trade-off. How long did this go on for? So I lived in his house for a year and then we agreed that it was probably time that I moved out and I also had a couple of girlfriends and had found a place that we were going to get together and so I did and then I still had a key to his house. I still would go over there all of the time. It kind of started to unravel a little bit in that he started he started seeing someone and didn't tell me but I found out oh my god <laughs> and even after I knew that he was seeing someone we were still having sex so, um it was it was just I mean crazy. It,
1: even though it's like logically crazy in this in the sense of it in hearing the story it's like you get it like this was the only stability in your life
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's the heartbreaking part is like the essentially that he was Taking advantage of it and controlling it.
2: And I don't I and I really try and look at him with like lots of benefit of the doubt and lots of graces. And I and I don't yeah, know if you realize that. But I'm getting to a point now where I'm like, nah, come on. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like. And the hard thing was is that there's two parallel worlds happening in this situation. And there's a very triangulated relationship that I still have a relationship with Jenny. And She's turned to me now into her friend and into her confidant, and you know I was never of a legal age, but we're going out and we're drinking and you know we're going away to Vancouver for the weekend, and she's making me her wingman, and you know even when I was still in high school, so there was very inappropriate behaviors on that side of the relationship too, because even being in high school, she would let me drink as well, and mm-hmm. you know there would get points where and I I had this like memory and I had to like go back to my friend and say, Oh my God, do you remember this? And, and it was one night where, you know, she let us both drink tons of red wine. And, uh, then she turns on the porn channel and would think that that was funny. And that happened more than a few times. And that's bizarre. And I remember this and I was like, that is just the weirdest thing. It is so weird. Like, how can a 38-year-old woman like think that A, that's funny, but also like Imagine doing that it, now. That's yeah, you gotta gel. Like it's like bizarre. It is bizarre. And so I sent this to my friend the other day and I was like, Do you remember this? And she was like, Oh my god, how weird is that? Like it's yeah, like so on this is a parallel life happening here to where yeah. I'm maintaining this relationship with her. I'm still seeing these kids. I'm still taking care of these kids. I'm still very much enmeshed within like some weird family thing. And everybody cares about everyone. And I know that, but also like there's also really bad behaviors happening and, you know, so she's relying on me for friendship and someone that's going to go out and like party with her because all of her friends are like being moms and wives. And And then the other parts of it is, you know, I'm going and, you know, having sex with her ex-husband who I have really deep feelings for. And it's all just really fucked up. Had you guys said it, I love you to each other? Only a couple of times. Interesting. Yeah. So he was a man that really struggled with any type of emotional capacity and any type of emotional communication. So much so that I was really struggling at one and I was very, very much falling apart. And I would never hide that from him. And there would be many nights where we would have conversations that were very much a me talking at him, crying conversation. And it was usually like when there was alcohol involved. And at one point I said to him, I have to, I have to be able to talk to somebody about this and you're not helping. And so he'd offered to pay for me to go to a therapist. And so he did. He paid for me to go and have, I don't know, it was like eight or 10 sessions with this therapist. And the striking thing about that was that therapist not once ever said to me that what was happening was not okay. Shocking. I know. I don't understand why. I don't either. And because I look back on that now and what I would have really wanted from her was from her to say, okay, what's happening to you is not Okay.
1: (laughs) Not okay, and
2: so, that you're just a kid. Yeah, exactly. And that he was robbing me of these really vital years to have yeah. these experiences wh- that that shape you. Things start to kind of like, for me, I'm I'm definitely like this isn't. How does this? How is this ending? What's the end here? You know, my relationship with Jenny is a little bit, you know, contentious because I very much want to establish my own person now and. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to find this balance, but it's also, you know, having these glimmers of myself that come through that, that where I'm like very confused about like what the hell is happening and what do I even want with my life? And I get the opportunity to leave and I get the opportunity to go to Switzerland and without knowing very much about it, without even really putting too much thought into it, I said, yes. With them, or no, this is on my okay, own. okay. And I basically like put all my stuff in his garage and like boxed up what was important to me, gave everything else away, and went to go and be a nanny for this family in Switzerland. And I was like, that was it. I had a couple of months in the lead up to it, and so I started to like, you know, like unpack your life and quit my three jobs and you know, deregister mm-hmm. from school, and um. It was crazy, but, you know, I left in January of 2006. The last time that he and I were physically intimate was the the November of 2005. And the night before I left, it was just like, a you know, I wanted to leave that relationship intact. I wanted it to be good still. And it was, that was it. It was like, I'm just going to go off on this adventure. And that was, that was the end.
1: Is that the last time you talked to him?
2: No. So I stayed in touch with, I stayed in touch with all of them. Like I wasn't like pulling the pin and like, it was like, I'm going to do this. I'm moving. And then, but I had like Mm -hmm. three months before I was leaving. So Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, had time and Jenny was in a new relationship and she was going to move her kids to California anyway. So it kind of was all working out well and Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and. And this relationship with him can just be preserved in, in memoriam and we'll still be friends and still chat and it will be fine. But the reality of it was, is I was leaving because I needed, this was like my parachute. Like I, I just you needed get to out. get out of this triangle that was highly dysfunctional and go and be a kid. So I did. I didn't think very much about it. And I just left. You continue to talk to the family. I did. I stayed in touch on all fronts. And the relationship between the two of them soured and got really nasty. Um, I became very skilled at learning how to play both sides of that fence. And and I kind of had to. And there was a little bit of a survival tactic as well. And, you know, there was a couple of times when we came very dangerously close to being caught by her. <laughs> and it was wild. Um but I was also carrying around these complex like feelings of you know guilt and shame and you know having the like knowledge to know that this was wrong, but also being able to justify it as well, and um, and to talk myself back like why it was okay like it was it was so fucked up. She she actually came to visit me when I was away. Wow yeah so I would i had been there for a year and then it was Christmas and but she was in another relationship that was you know so at this point she's on to her third relationship in like three years mm-hmm. and she'd moved her family her kids to California and it wasn't working out so the guy was and because I had been a confidant to her all the time all the way through all of these relationships and I remained that way she comes to spend Christmas with me and what ended up happening so we did Christmas and she met some of the friends that I had made when I was there and it was fine. And I didn't think anything of it, but what ended up happening and how that relationship with her ended was I had made these two girlfriends, um, and with other nannies and, and, and one of them, uh, funny enough, actually ended up like having an affair with one of the dads that she was wow. like, yeah, wow. it's just, it's just crazy. I, I mean, yeah. So long story short is when I got to Switzerland, I deeply wanted to be able to like fit in with the people that were my age and to be able to share these experiences that I had of like dating someone and you know sexual experiences and all of these fun things that I got to do. But I couldn't tell them who it was with. So mm-hmm. I would tell them the things that I did, but I made up who it was with.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that I could, you know, and that actually kind of felt liberating and I felt like I was like getting a little bit of that off of my chest and being totally. able to share that. And What ended up happening was I ended up getting a a corporate job, like an opportunity to have an internship and stay in Europe. And I was really relieved about that because I really just wanted to have more of my own time. And I didn't want to go back to the States because that meant going back to either my dysfunctional family or going back and, you know, relying on these dysfunctional people or I don't know, like starting from scratch. And Mm -hmm. that just felt, I didn't want to do that if I didn't have to. And I had this opportunity, so I should take it. And, but I definitely wanted to distance myself from her because I I just desperately wanted to just have my own life. And I wasn't like planning to never talk to her again. I just didn't want to have that same level of, I just, I wanted my own start.
0: Yeah. And
2: she started to contact these friends of mine that she had met through me when she came to visit and being like, where is she? Why isn't she getting back to me why isn't she responding to me and they ended up talking and then they told her about this you know this this guy that I had told them about oh my and, god yeah and she sent me an email and it said you know I heard this from this person and, and for a long time I've, I've sat up in bed and I haven't been able to sleep for like two weeks because a part of me was wondering if this was Jensen, I know that he would never do that and so she's like i don't know w- why you've made all of this up or why you felt compelled to have to say these things but they they're all like made up and you know what world are you living in and like cuz i know wait him. why
1: didn't she think you weren't telling people that it was yes so Mm-mm. what made her go there probably just
2: connecting the dots yeah yeah um and that was and look, I responded to her and I can't even really, really remember what I said, but I said, you know, for a while now, I've just been trying to, to get some distance from you. And I don't know why that was such a big problem, but mm-hmm. you know, you haven't been a great influence in my life either. So it's like, you know, it's probably time for, for this to, to be done but for you. And, and that was, that was basically the last time that she and I spoke. And which I was th- what year? Oh, that was in 2007. Wow. Yeah. But I just, the thing that stood out to me about that was that, you know, she thought about this for a really long time, but she just knows that it couldn't be him. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, it was. So, And I called him, and I told him about that. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what's happened. And he and I both agreed, you know, it was probably best that that relationship ended anyway. But, you know, he wasn't too worried if he wasn't identified. And, like, it was just... But he and I stayed in touch for a long time. And I actually went back to visit in 2011 and he paid. So she got married again and moved the kids to New York. And he called and told me about all this. Like he called me one morning and was like, oh, she's moving the kids. They're going to New York. And he was going to come back and he offered to get me a plane ticket and to come back and visit. And that was in 2011. And so I did. And I was 25 and it was very different. Wow.
1: Yeah. And did you guys have a whirlwind romance as a 25-year-old? We
2: tried, (laughs) but it was different, and I was different. And what ended up happening after that was I went back, and he, a couple years later, started to date someone that's the same age as me. And I still had a bunch of stuff in his garage. And he sent me a text message one day and said, you need to come and get your stuff. And I was like, I I literally like cannot just like pop over and get my stuff. Um Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm gonna need to have a little bit more notice than this. Um I'll see what I can do. I'll see like if I can get a friend to come and get and I was like not making very much progress. I had a lot of stuff in this garage and he was like, You really just need to get this stuff out of my garage. And I was like, I I really trying to understand the urgency here. And so he asks for my mom's address and I give it to him, and then he emails me and he says, and I need to let you know that I'm going to marry Jamie. Her name is Jamie. And and I, I wish you a good life. When was this? This was in 2012. Oh, my God. And that's the last time that I heard from him.
1: Holy shit. That was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That is the most abrupt ending. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I just found it a little bit ironic that, you know, he was then with this girl that's the same or this lady, this woman that's the same age yeah. as me. And... He must have told her what happened because I can't imagine under any circumstance why I would need my stuff would just have to be out of the garage from like one day to the next. Like, why was it there for 10 years and it was fine and now it has to go? Is this when you start your healing process or reflecting? No. And so even then, I still was like, okay, you know, I always knew that there was going to be an expiration date to this. This was always an unhealthy relationship. It needed to have an ending and I'm going to take this ending and that's going to be fine. I was still heels in the ground. I would never tell anybody. I was still, you know, defending the situation that happened. I was still in my head, rationalizing it, but only in the last few years have I gotten older and now I have this lens of life experience and knowing people that are like, you know, I hire junior people at work and they're like the same age as I was when all this was happening. And I cannot under any circumstance imagine that person being in that experience, like, or I can't, or I can't flip it and be a person putting someone in that experience. And you know, that's what's when I started to kind of, the healing for me was when I had actually had to do the stuff with my own family. And then like, Also comes when I've had my own relationships and for whatever reason they don't work out or, you know, what I'm able to now see, because I've struggled so much to reconcile some things that this scenario and this triangle, triangulated situation where I was really, you know, manipulated, lied to, taken advantage of, I was a very vulnerable person and the adults in my life should have taken care of me, didn't take care of me. and. Instead, they put me into situations that really warped my view of the world and affected the way that I see people and the way that I'm able to trust people. And that's what I'm getting to now. Well, you also
1: literally like lost a whole other family too. Yeah. Even the complexity of of the sexual relationship, it was like these kids you were so close to. It was like a second family breakup. Mm -hmm. I mean. Do you think about those kids or? I think about the kids
2: all the time. Um, Yeah. And because I spent a lot of time with them and. Yeah. They were like kind of like pseudo siblings and. Yeah. And the the thing that makes me sad is that while I wasn't spending time with my family, I was spending time with them and Mm -hmm. I wonder what they're doing with their lives and I wonder how they are and I just hope that they're okay more than anything else.
1: Have you looked up all these people on social media, him, oh, yeah, her, totally. and the kids? <laughs> of course. Is he still married to the 25-year-old? I actually
2: don't know. Um, he's He doesn't have much of a, of a profile, and it's all very, like, hard to find anything out. My best friend who is, is has known about the scenario, who's, like, weaved throughout the story, she ran into him and her at the sushi place, like, I don't know, it would have been a couple of years after he abruptly cut contact with me, and she sent me like a little bit of an update. And at the time I don't think that they were married. And I honestly, like from anyone that kind of had like a little bit of a mutual circle, I never heard that they did get married. So I don't know. Have you thought about writing him a letter or reaching out? I did. After my brother died, I sent him a note. Um, I sent him a note on Facebook messenger because I found him on Facebook and uh, I was out, and I had a couple of glasses of wine one night, and I just sent him a note, and I just told him what had happened, and, you know, I said to him, like, I really, I really would like to forgive you, and I never heard Did he write back? He never heard back, so.
1: Did he read it? Like, I don't did that know. Little... I don't,
2: no, I don't think so. I fucking hate him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but. What about her? Did you think at all about reaching out to her? Never. I understand. That's a different, Never. complex relationship. Yeah. Well, so d- going to the reflection for a second, I mean, mm. what is your emotion towards him and the situation now? Is it anger? Is it sadness? It's really mixed
2: because I can look at it from so many different angles and mm. I can see that there were some positives. I can see that, they were outweighed by a lot of negatives. I can see that, you know, I lament this, this period of my life that I didn't get to have. Mm-hmm. And I would have really loved to been able to be a normal teenager and figure things out like a normal kid and not be so warped and so involved in this world that more than anything, the prevailing outcome was that it was harmful.
1: I mean, this is, like, such a kind of, like, therapy thing Mm -hmm. or cliche, but I am curious, like, if someone's listening to this, Mm -hmm. who who is younger than you or around the age that you were and they're in a similar situation, I mean, is there anything an adult could have said to you? Is there anything somebody could have said?
2: The thing that blows my mind is how no one ever even asked me if there was something going on. Wow. Because... After, I mean, like, everybody moved out and, like, I was living in his house, we would be, like, out for dinner together and, like, run into people that we knew. Like, how did nobody ever just come to me and say, are you okay? Is there something here? Do you want to yeah. talk about anything? And nobody ever did. And I wonder what would have happened if someone did. Yeah. But the message that I would, like, if I was going to tell somebody or, if, like, if I could go back and tell my younger self something. Tell your something, younger self, yeah. It would be that. I mean, and even, like, at any stage of life, if a man wants to have sex with you, but it needs to be a secret, there is something wrong. Yeah. Say that again.
1: Say it one more time. I just really want
2: people (laughs) to hear that. that. You know, if a man wants to have sex with you, and it has to be a secret, there is something wrong with that situation. There is something wrong. (sighs) And that doesn't matter how old you are. (laughs) No, I agree.
1: I agree. I cannot thank you enough for telling this story. I can't imagine what it's like to have to reopen this. Is there anything that you feel like you haven't said
2: that you want to add? I think that the thing that kind of like stays a little bit top of mind is that at that period of my life, there were a lot of good people in my life. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people that helped me so much along the way. And I wasn't in a space where I had the capacity to show gratitude with grace Mm -hmm. and for that i'm i'm sorry but i also hope that that if anyone of those people ever heard this that they would have a little bit of insight as to why and what was going on
1: yeah well i i hope if they do listen they do yeah and i think they will have that insight now yeah um now to the worst transition your favorite restaurant oh my (laughs) gosh.
2: In Sydney? (laughs) Yeah, let's do Australia. Oh, it's this place called Nomad, and it's just like kind of like Middle Eastern, but a little bit of a nicer like shared plate, trendy place. What's your order? The set menu every time. Oh, amazing. (laughs) All
1: right. Well, we're going to add it to the map. It's excellent. Never, never lets me down. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you didn't like the episode, forget what I just said, and just please don't tell anyone.